right. I want you to notice in verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And notice in this passage how these commands that God had given Israel, he's telling them, one of the things I need you to do is diligently teach them. And then he tells them how to do it. You know, when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down, when you're rising up. He's just saying, do it wherever you go. Basically, this, this the word of God and the law of God needs to be a conversation piece in your house. This needs to be something that is just commonly discussed. And you know, the Bible should be something that gets brought up in our houses quite a bit. You know, as families, we all talk about things and, you know, you sit around the dinner table, you have conversations. Well, at least that's what people used to do in families. You know, nowadays, I don't know how much that goes on, but folks, that's a good thing. And it's, a, it's teaching time. It's training time. And one of the reasons God wanted them to do this is he said, I want my word to be in your heart. He didn't just want it to be in their head. He wanted it to be in their heart. And you know who knows the power of talking about things? Okay? It seems like everybody knows this except for Christians, but advertising companies do it. Okay? Why do you think they make the crazy commercials that they do? Not just so you'll see them. They want you talking about them. Why do you think that Twitter, you know, invented that, you know, that, I don't know, they invented it, but they do the hashtags and things like that. You know, they're always people, they're all, they want these things being talked about because when everybody's talking about those things, then people get interested in those things and then tend to want to try those things. You know, they, they want to, you know, see what it's all about. They want you talking about that latest movie, you know, hashtag this, tweet this, because when people talk about it, it creates an interest in it, and then often it creates a love for it. And what we're doing tonight, I want to continue kind of where I left off last week, uh, preaching a message about helping your children succeed where you failed. Helping your children succeed where you failed. And last week we looked at the story of David in First Chronicles chapter 22, how he, uh, he was not able to build that temple that he wanted to do. It was in his heart, but God would not let him because he'd been a man of war. He had made some mistakes, and so now Solomon's going to do it. David wasn't going to be able to do it, but David went and he prepared everything he could to help Solomon succeed. He had all the materials ready to go. He had the workers ready to go. Everything was ready. David pretty much just had to pass off the scene because it was not God's will for him to do it. So, But David wanted his son to do this great work for the Lord, and Solomon went and he got it done. And Solomon's temple, as it is known today, is, I mean, a, a building that people still talk about to this day. That is still a big deal. And one thing that we need to do when it comes to helping our children succeed where we failed, we've got to learn how to motivate them to do those good things. Because your kids, they're not always just naturally motivated, at least for the right things. You know, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from them. It, they're not always just going to automatically want to do the right thing. And so David here in this passage in First Chronicles chapter 22, go ahead and turn over there. Notice in verse 6, okay, he, notice what he says. He says, then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And he didn't just stop there and say, all right, Solomon, you're going to be the next king. Build the house of the Lord. Okay. A lot of parents are really good at barking out orders saying you should do this. But, you know, it really helps if you could take the time to let them know why they need to do this, to let them to, to motivate them, to make them want to do this. That's very important. And so David, he doesn't just say build the house of the Lord. But then it says, and David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind. To build the house in the name of the Lord my God. He's like, Solomon, this is something I wanted to do. You know, David did some great things in his life, but there were some things David didn't get to do. And one of the things that he met, he had in his mind, he said, Solomon, something I wanted to do, I wanted to build this temple for the Lord. This was a work I wanted to do. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou, thou shalt not build the house under my name, because I was shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. So he's telling Solomon, I messed up. 
You know, because of some of the mistakes that I made, all the blood that I shed, I am not allowed to do this. But you know, you haven't made these mistakes yet. This isn't something you've done. You can't. This is something that I couldn't do, but this is something that you could do for the Lord. You know, he's making this like it's a big deal, like this is something that would be great to do. And did you all know that doing the will of God and doing things, it is a good thing. It's a great thing to do. But how are your kids going to know that? Why in the world, what would make your kid just naturally want to serve God? Okay, well, y'all, the Holy Spirit hopefully. No, listen, it, 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 you got to teach them how to walk in the Spirit. It does not come natural to just do those things. You've got to, you've got to find some motivators. You've got to talk about how it's a great thing. And so, you know, uh, and he tells them how, you know, God told me I couldn't do it. But in verse 10, he said, he, talking about his son, shall build a house for my name and he shall be my son and I will be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. He's saying, listen, there's some great promises. God told me you're going to do this. You're going to be his son, and he's going to be your father. He's going to establish your kingdom forever. This is a great thing, Solomon. And he said, Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thee, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. So Solomon is motivated here. And David passes off the scene not long after this. But I think something that is in every son especially, he wants to you know, please his father, impress his father, even after they're gone. You know, my dad's still living today, but I know that's always a big thing for men. You know, they want to, you know, make their fathers proud, even if they're gone. They like to know this would have made my father proud if I'd have done this thing. And so David, he has clearly told Solomon, this is what I want to see you do. This is, you know, being king, I've already accomplished that. All right, you're going to be the king. Great. But, you know, here's something I couldn't accomplish. Go do this thing. And Solomon was able to go forward knowing, hey, this is something that would please my, not just my heavenly father, my earthly father, too. This is something that would make him proud. And I believe it was a great motivation for him. And Solomon did. Solomon went and got it done. And not only did he get it done, I mean, he got it done well. Not only did he get that done, he did many other things. He built all kinds of great works during his kingdom. David successfully passed on a dream to him. And we've got to do that. And one of the ways we do these things is by talking about them with our children. That's why we need to talk about the Word of God. That's why we need to diligently teach them. We're doing these things to motivate them a little bit because, again, they're just not going to naturally want to do these things. And if we don't teach them what to do with their lives when they grow up, you know who's going to teach them? The world's going to teach them. The world's going to teach them what to do. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22 Oh, I didn't put it in my notes. Let me turn on Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22. It says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And notice right there, he's, once again, he's writing to his son here. He's speaking to his son, and he's telling him, Hey, you find a wife, you find a good thing. You've obtained favor of the Lord if you get this thing. And one of the things that we need to teach our sons especially, we need to teach them what they need to find is a wife. That's something we need to teach them. You know, we don't need to teach them they need to find some girlfriend they can fool around with. We need to teach them how to find a wife. We need to, folks, I I need to preach some messages on this subject, but I'm just going to say a few things about this right now because I just, I I feel led to say this. We're not preparing our young people for this. We don't, we're not teaching them how to do it. It's amazing how many punks are out there who have girlfriends and no jobs. Okay? Listen, you, that is wrong. Okay? If you don't have a job, you don't deserve a girlfriend. Oh, well, you know, we're not going to get married. Bible says flee fornication. Alright, and the Bible also says right after that, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Okay? So the Bible says the way to fix that though, because you're gonna have that desire, is let every man have his own wife. We're gonna look at that passage in a little bit. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But understand, when you have a young man, he is gonna be interested in girls. Okay, at least you better hope so. Unless you've been letting them watch too much Disney Channel or Glee or whatever's on television today, you know, promoting all the faggotry that's being promoted. You know, he's going to be interested in that, and you've got to tell him how to do it. 
And guys are not being taught very important principles. And that is guys without jobs don't deserve girlfriends. They have no right. You, and you say, well, you know, we're just boyfriend and girlfriend. And now we're not planning on getting married. How is that fleeing fornication? Why in the world would you think that your son and, and, and some girl are going to want to be around each, and not be touching each other and not be doing things that people, you know, two young adults want to do? It, that's not okay. So the last thing you need to do is go letting your son get a girlfriend when he's not even ready to provide for a wife. You're just putting him in a tempting situation. That's wrong. That doesn't make sense. And so if what you need to do is you need to motivate them. And, you know, and I'm thankful. I'm fine with the fact that my boys are motivated by girls right now. That's a great motivator. You know, and it's an easy one, you know, because my sons, you know, they they like girls. And it's like, all right, you want a girl. You got to get a job. And my son now is working an extremely hard job, very physical you know, has to get up really early in the morning and he's doing it when he doesn't really need to because, of the, you know, we're not going to kick him out just because he's 18 just yet. I mean, he'd be getting some grief at home if he wasn't working, but, you know, he doesn't have a lot of these bills and everything right now. But I did. He got he got the big, uh, you know, budget talk. You know, we went through and I showed him this is what you need to do with all this money you're making. And all of it was geared towards pre- preparing himself for a wife. Told me you're not going to live like a high roller right now with no bills. Otherwise, you're going to have you're going to take a huge setback. You know, you're going to feel like you're stepping back big time when you find a wife. Because one, if you want a wife, you're not going to live in our house. He's going to have to get his own house. They start having kids. You know that stuff gets expensive. So you better get used to living on little money right now. So and. I didn't get any talk back. You know, I mean, he, he seems pretty anxious to be getting on the program. You know why? Because when that girl comes along, he wants, you know, to get my blessing and me to not be like, no, you're not ready for a girlfriend. So, you know, that, that's, that's his motivator. Okay. That's great. You know, some guys might not be real interested quite at that age or, you know, they're like, oh, I want to do this. I want to accomplish, you know, and that's fine too. Some guys, they might want to, you know, see the world or go get some kind of education or, you know, I mean, they might have something that they want to accomplish first and that's fine. But if that's what they're looking for, you know what? Use that to help point them in the right direction. You know, find out what they're interested in, find out what they like. And you know what? Try to, you know, try to um, point their interests in certain directions. Oh, you know, you have no rise of father. They need to be their own person. Listen, everybody's interest is being pointed a certain direction. Okay. There's a reason so many guys are dressing like queers today. It's because they're all watching the same television shows. They're watching all the same commercials, telling them to be interested in the same things. And that's why a lot of females are all interested in the same weird hairstyles and the same weird clothing. Why? Because they're being programmed by television saying, this is what you want. This is what will make you happy. This is what you're interested in. The public school system's doing that. The television industry is doing that type of thing. The government's doing that kind of stuff. They're promoting all these kids. All oh, you need to go to, you know, to go to college and rack up all the student, student loans and you know, get all this education so you can get this terrible job. After you're done, we have all the students. And everybody's just doing that, even though it's not accomplishing anything, even though it's not working. And, the, and it's like everybody else is doing it, but it's like mom and dad can't try to point their kids' interest in a certain direction. Amen. That's exactly what we ought to be doing as, children, as parents to our children. We need to be trying to point them in a certain direction and trying to get them interested in things. I was just watching this program with Allie. It was this old black and white show. And this aunt, she gave this, uh, her niece these dolls and said, it's very important for young girls to play with dolls. It helps develop their maternal instincts. All right, this was an old black and white show. You think they're going to say that on a television show today? But you know what? Back then, they, they were saying, hey, we need to develop a maternal instinct in girls because being a wife, being a mother, it is a good thing. It is a natural thing. It's what they were made for. It's what God created them for. And we ought to try to get them interested. Don't try to get your daughters interested in boxing and, you know, mountain climbing and, you know, things like that that women are all trying to do today. Get them, get them interested in things that matter. Get them interested in cooking and cleaning. There's ways that you can do that. Okay, Dads, you can help with that with your daughters just by... 
you know, your daughters love to please their dad. If she makes something food for you, you know what? Enjoy it. Even if it's not very good, you know, enjoy it. Why? Because there's great pleasure that women get in making food and people enjoying it. They, they, they appreciate it. One thing I learned as a teenage young man is when women in the church would make really good stuff that I like for potlucks, I would let them know and make a big deal about it. And you know what they would do? They would always let me take leftovers home. Hey, do you want the leftovers? Like, yeah. You know, and, and they were always glad to do that, ready to do that, because they always knew there was going to be somebody at the church that was really going to appreciate what they were making. And even though I was just a teenage in the church, I wasn't even a family member. But they knew, hey, I'm going to bring that dish to the potluck, and it's not going to you know, be untouched. No, nobody wants to do that. So, you know, parents, you, have, you can do that. You know, make a big deal out of it. You know, tell the whole family, hey, we're all going to eat tonight a meal that Chloe made. And then, you know, and the, you know, brothers and sisters sometimes always aren't real supportive. But, you know, make them be supportive. Yeah, and why? Because it does. It gives them a feeling of accomplishment. And it's a good thing. And, man... You say, you know, that's not a big, folks, this is a big deal. Do you realize if you teach your daughter to cook, how much money she's going to save her husband someday? Do you realize how, how the reason so many people are just getting super fat is because they don't know how to cook and they're eating out all the time. The wife doesn't know how to cook or cooking's terrible. So they're out eating junk all the time, spending a ton of extra money, where if you actually taught her how to cook and use some spices and herbs and things, she could make much better food at way less of a price, way healthier. I mean, you now have saved your family tons of money on medical bills because you taught your daughter how to cook. This is the type of thing people used to do that we've gotten away from because we're all so progressive now and everything's equal and you know we don't believe in putting people in boxes and doing different things. And look at what we've got today, folks. It's not working. And you better believe as a parent, I'm going to point my kids in a certain direction. And I am. I am totally fine with my boys wanting to get a wife. And I'm okay with my girls wanting husbands. You know, that one's a little, that one's a little tougher. Boy, those guys are going to have to work for it. I'll, I'll say a little bit about that as we go. But we need, we need a point. We need a point in the, in the direction. And that's exactly what David did here with Solomon. David said, this is something I wasn't able to do, but this is something you can do. Go get it done. And he told him how to get it done. He motivated him to get it done. And that's what we need to do. We've got to get to know our children. We've got to find out what they're interested in. Find out what they're interested in. Find out what makes them want to do stuff. And use that. Use that to motivate them in the right direction. If your son, maybe he's just interested in fishing. Maybe, you know, and, you know, fishing, I mean, you could say it's, you know, good, productive, you know, you can buy food, you know, teach a man to fish, you feed him forever, whatever. But, you know, a lot of that stuff, it's more relaxing, you know. And so what you need to teach your son, if he loves fishing, you know, don't just let him go fishing all day. But you teach him, hey, you want to go fishing a lot, you know, you need to get a good job, makes good money, so you can go buy a boat, so you're, you can afford to do all these things. It's like some people, that there's people around here during the summertime, all they do is fish. It's like they don't have jobs, they don't work. It's like, you know, you're a bum. You need to go get a job. I, it, but at the same time, if there's something that they like doing, get it in their head that you're not able to do that unless you're making money, unless you're ready to provide for yourself. One of the things I've been, you know, I've been telling you know, my boys, too, is that you know, when you're only making so much money, you have no business spending large amounts of money on certain things. Okay? So if you do, if you want a boat or something like that, Okay? Don't go drive, you know, buying a speedboat when you got your family driving in a broken down old car or your wife's getting stuck on the side of the road all the time. Okay? If you do that, your priorities are wrong. You're a loser. It's like that neighborhood we were sewing in yesterday. The houses are all dumps, but everybody's got nicer cars than me. Now, why is that? It's priorities. Okay? Those priorities are stupid. All right? Now, you might think you're all bad driving down the road you know, in that nice vehicle or whatever, but you know what? You live in squalor. You, know, you live in a dump, and your wife and your kids have to live in that kind of thing, so you can drive around looking like a big shot impressing people who don't care. Get your priorities right. You have no right to, you have no right to do that. When you're making you know, X amount of dollars, you, know, there, you need to understand... Hey, 
I can't be on a caviar and wine diet you know, on a crackers and cheese salary. And you've got to be honest enough to admit, hey, i got a crackers and cheese salary. And that's okay. But you better keep these things balanced. And you better teach them that. And if they want more than that, you need to tell them this is how you get it. This is the way it's done. You might actually have to go and accomplish some things. So you've got to find out what their motivators are and use those things. Tell them how to get it in a right way. So, uh, you know, David, you know, he, he showed Solomon this was something when building the temple. This is something you can do. And so teach your children how to get these things that they are going to want. Teach them, you know, principles about dating. You know, let your kids know right away from a young age, this is how it's going to be. Okay? And one thing with my parents, they taught me from a, from a young age is you're not going to get, you don't need a girlfriend until you're ready to get married. So, you know, when I got to the age where I was interested in girls, you know, there was no point in pursuing a girl when I'm 16 years old. You know, it wasn't going to work. My parents weren't going to be behind it. There was just, there was really no point in doing anything like that. And so I, I never dealt with the temptation. You know, I never got in any trouble with females. You know, I didn't waste a whole bunch of money on a girlfriend that I never even married. You know, I wonder how many people have those regrets. All the money they spent on some girlfriend, they never even married her. What a waste. Yeah, it was a waste. You know, and not only did you give her all that money, you, know, you probably gave her some of your heart too. And that's not a good thing. So that's why you don't be dating at a, you don't be dating at a young age. It said First Corinthians seven one. Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And he says that right after before, in chapter six, verse eighteen, where he says, "Flee fornication." So we're going to tell them how these things are done. We're going to teach them these principles about dating. Okay? And there's, there's a lot of things. You know, we were, we were having, I was just having a discussion uh, with Brother Renee about this the other day. I said, I should preach a message on this. You know, and the, the title alone would just trigger everybody. But I'm just going to say this right now. You know, people complain about how back in the old days, you know, men treated women like property. You know, wasn't that terrible when men treated women like property? But did you know back in the day, men would fight for their property? They would die for their property? I mean, they, they loved their property. They cherished their property. Their property had value. Now, today, we don't treat our daughters like property, but we treat them like trash. That's, that's the new mentality we have. Some bum comes along and wants to date your daughter and he doesn't have to do, he doesn't even have to, you're going to let a guy without a job date your daughter you're going to let a guy who doesn't even have the ability to provide for it date your daughter you remember Jacob he had no problem working 14 years to get Rachel did he 14 years it didn't seem like any it was worth it yeah she she's worth it that's it man i can't believe he sold his daughter well, I can't believe you just gave yours away for nothing. That's our culture today. We give them away for nothing. We have no expectations. Yeah, back in the day, you know, the guy would have to give the you know, father cows or pigs or something like that. Something of value. Now, give them away for nothing. But what does the Bible say in Proverbs? Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. You know, we cherish rubies, we value rubies, but we treat women today like cheap trash. Just to be turned over to just any punk who wants to have his way with her without even putting a ring on her finger. They're going to come along and, you know, they're going to have a problem. You know, I'm sick of these guys that want to come along too. And they just, they look at these women and they just expect everything from them. All right. If you're going to be my girlfriend, you know, I expect you to, you know, have 14 kids for me in 13 years. You know, I expect you to, uh, you know, to you know, take care of the house and do, you know, I don't want you getting a job. I don't want you doing this. I want you soloing every week. And by the way, I want your figure to stay exactly the way it looks right now. You know, all these years, they put all these expectations on him. And then he's like, okay, now what am I, you know, so the female, what's she going to get out of it? A loser who's not even barely going to make enough money. To provide for her, 
I mean, really, you're going to tell your potential wife or girlfriend she's got to do this and this and this, and you barely can't even provide for yourself? I mean, you're just living in some dump apartment, and you're going to expect your wife to live on your puny, pathetic salary, have a whole bunch of kids for you, and she's not allowed to go make any money, and she's just got to live in squalor and poverty, just going along with your every whim? Is that what you expect? You know what? You should have to do something. You know, you want to come and ask for my daughter? You better show me that you're going to be able to take care of her. Hey, I want to see your house. I want to see what, you know, where are you living right now. How much money do you make? You better believe I care about that. I don't want you to marry my daughter and have to go live on welfare. Okay, I'm not raising cheap trash that I have, that I put no value on at all. I'm going to treat my daughters like property and I'm going to love them. I'm going to care about them. I'm going to look at them as though they have great value, as though they're mine. And if you want to get it, you're going to have to convince me that you can make them happier than I can make them. That's what you're going to have to convince me of. Don't you, don't any guy come talking to me about my daughter when you are, when you're just, you have no money, you've accomplished nothing, you have no character. Dads, you better get that in your head. You better understand your, your daughters are precious. Stop listening to the world that make them think they're just cheap trash that you're just going to get rid of when they turn 18. No, they are your daughters. They are precious. Their, their, their virginity, that is a virtue that has value to it. And you know what? Any guy who is going to get that from him better earn it. He better deserve it. And I am, I'm sick of this mentality from these guys. They better man up. They better accomplish something. They better do something before they ever talk to me. I will run them off so fast it wouldn't be funny. They better be able to outrun a bullet. I mean, if they, I, mean, I don't care. I, that, that's the way I mean. I, I won't shoot them yet unless they, unless they really had it coming. But man, just yeah, don't don't even talk to me about that. Girls, they're not cheap trash, and guys, they they don't deserve it. They don't. And you better show that you're able to provide. And I'm I'm thankful. You know, I wish my parents would have prepared me a little sooner for some of this because like when I turned 18 you know from like 18 to almost 20 you know I had a job but it was not a very good job but it was a good job if you're living at home and but the problem was all of a sudden I decided I wanted to get married and I like wanted to once we me and my wife got together I wanted to get married like yesterday but the thing is my dad's like yeah you know you're not going to be able to provide for a wife making eight dollars an hour which is what I was making at the time and I'm like so then I started looking for another job and I got another job that was better, you know, but the problem is I had hardly any time to save up any money. By the time I, I, I got that job, it was in December. We got married that April. I had barely had any money saved up and, you know, and we've been struggling ever since, you know, we made, you know, we made it, but you know, it could have been better if I'd have spent those two years after I got out of high school you know, working a decent job, you know, saving my money, being more responsible with my money instead of, I mean, I, I blew, it's amazing. I'm still alive. All the gas station food I ate, all the fast food I ate during that time. I mean, I did, I kind of acted like a high roller making $8 an hour. You know how pathetic that is? It, that that's pathetic. You, you, you shouldn't be that way. I had no business eating the way I was eating, living the way I was living with the salary that I had. I wish I would have been told that you know you're a loser if you do that, okay? And you are. If you're, if you're, so you got to get priorities right, okay? Any guy who lives in a dump and is driving some super valuable car, said so if he has, if he's single, that's fine, okay? If you're single, you know, whatever you want to spend your money on is fine. I talked to a single guy one time, and he said he wanted to buy a Harley, and he went, he scrimped and he saved, and he said he lived, he kept his house at like 40 degrees all winter. Just because he wanted to save on that heating bill so he could buy that Harley. And, you know, I respected that because, hey, you know, he did what he had to do to get that Harley. Now, if he would have made his family live in 40 degrees so he could buy a Harley, I'd say you're a loser. You know, you're a pile of garbage. You know, you can make those personal sacrifices for yourself. But, you know, don't make your family suffer in those areas. You know, you need to get those priorities right and understand it's very important where a, where a female lives. 
you know, and where you raise your family, you better think about those things before you think about just, you know, the fancy cars, the name brand clothes, and just, you know, all these other things that people are wanting to spend their money on. Said so if you can afford to do it all, that's fine, but you need to have some kind of balance. And this isn't a message about finances, but, you know, there's some good books out there you can read about, you know, how much you should be spending in different categories, you know, depending on your income. I'd encourage you to read some of that stuff and study up on those things and make sure you're not real unbalanced, you know, in your budget. And, you know, often single guys can be the worst on that because they can be. And once again, you can make that choice. But if your goal is to have a wife and to have a family, you need to start getting used to that right now. Don't get don't get yourself used to luxuries that you're going to have to give up if you get married. You know, so you need you need to keep these things in mind. And I'm saying all this because like David did, he's showing him how to succeed. Solomon, here's what you need to do. This is how you get it done. And parents, you've got to do that. Do you really think your boys are going to make good financial decisions if they listen to the TV commercials? Yeah, they're trying to just get their money. You know, do you think they're going to get good financial advice from the counselor down at the, at the community college that's getting all these kids majorly in debt only so they can not get a job later on? You, you think they're going to get good advice from them? You better give them the advice. Well, I don't know a whole lot of stuff. Go read something. Okay, go, go read some books on these things. You know, that, and maybe you'll find out where you went wrong and now you can help them do things, do things right. You know, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for things I was taught that were right. I was taught a lot of things that were right that saved me a lot of trouble. But, you know, there was more things I could have been taught. And so I'm trying to make things better for my kids. And, you know, I won't tell my kids everything that they need to know. There'll be areas where my kids are lacking. And you know what I hope they do? I hope they say, you know, this is something where my dad fell short. This is some things that he missed. I'm going to make sure my kids get those things that were right. And I'm going to make sure they get these things, too. That and that and every we will always want to be better for the next generation. And so one thing we see with David here, and uh, go back to First Chronicles chapter twenty-two, that I think is the key to uh, helping Solomon succeed where he did, and what you need to do to help your children succeed. Because remember, these things, God, they're supposed to be in our heart. And He said in verse eleven, "Now, my son, the Lord be with thee and prosper thee." And build the house of the Lord thy God, as he has said of thee, only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of a good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. No, one thing that you've got to do if your children are going to succeed, you must instill in them a love for the Lord. Oh, well, we can't make them do that. Yes, you can. Okay? And I'm not saying you force them to love it, but once again, the world is teaching us what to love. The news media is teaching us what to love. Isn't it amazing how they can just play a song? And we all know how to stand up and, you know, salute the flag. I almost looked at I'm still used to the flag being over there. You know, uh, you know we, we, all know, we all know exactly what to do. We all know how we're supposed to have respect. We've just kind of been programmed to love certain things. Even though I know our country's a mess, I still get kind of aggravated sometimes when I hear people criticizing our country, especially if they're from another country. It's just kind of in us. Okay? Where'd that come from? Years of programming. Okay, why can't we program good things? There are, and there's things that, you know, you're not always going to succeed. There's things I've tried to make my kids love that I've failed at, you know, um, and things I've tried to make them hate. You know, I've gotten some of my kids to hate cheese. Not all of them hate cheese, though. You know, part of that's because my wife's not really working with me on some of these things uh, like that. But, you know, in areas where we're working together, you know, that really matter, you know, you, you can succeed on that. You got And children often love the things that their parents love. They find interesting things. You know, just, you know, the other day, I've always enjoyed shooting and stuff. The other day, it took my boys, went to the shooting range, we're shooting. And, you know, the boys are like, we're going to buy some guns. You know, they, they, they want to buy guns really bad right now. You know, because, you know, you, you do stuff like that, it gets them interested in it. You know, I've always tried to get them inter, interested in manly things. Right? I, I want them to be interested in those things. And it helps that I like these things. 
You know, it's good. You know, it, it helps that I'm not at home watching, you know, Michael Moore documentaries like Bowling for Columbine and, you know, that I'm taking them to, you know, anti-gun rallies and things like that. I had somebody when I was on the bus route, there was a guy, he, uh, uh, he gave me a T-shirt that he's like, hey, I know you guys believe like I do. And he didn't even say what it was. And he hands me this T-shirt and I go and I look at it and it was, it was a T-shirt that said, uh, say no to guns. It's not just Chicago's problem. It's our problem, too. And it had, like, bullet holes, looked like bullet holes in there and blood and everything. And I'm just like, I never wore that shirt. And they had a shoot camp out at Cedar River. I thought about going to it. I was like, I should wear that shirt there. But if I wore that shirt there, it would have real bullet holes. <laughs> but, you know, the thing, but, you know, often the parents that get caught up in that stupidity, their kids get caught up in it, too. Kids, naturally, they just tend to often like many of those things. And did you know that if you truly love the Lord, your kids are much more likely to love the Lord. That's all there is to it. I mean, if you are interested in the things of God, if you are interested in the Word of God, if you're talking about these things when you're sitting down, when you're rising up, when you're walking by the way, your kids are going to be interested in these things. You know, let them do things. You know, take them to, you know, conferences and preaching conferences and things, you know, get them interested in the preaching that they hear, you know, take them to these things, let them hear the preaching, you know, even taking them to things like, you know, Noah's Ark and, you know, the creation museum, you know, that, that creates a lot of interest in things. You know, there's a lot of things biblically that I'm interested in that I've always been very interested in just because of a trip I took to Israel 20 years ago. I mean, it created a great interest in a lot of things in the Bible. It just made me want to read my Bible even more. Why? Because it was something that was associated with the Bible. Get your kids interested in that stuff. You know, watch the documentaries on biblical things with them. Make a big deal about it, you know. Let these, you know, and you know, you, you, and this might sound like a terrible, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, when I was growing up, I'm just going to say it too, and if somebody wants to criticize me, that's fine. I get criticized all the time anyway, okay? Obviously, you don't want to take this too far, but when I was growing up, you know, I, my dad would make a really big deal about preachers that were out there that, that he loved and that he respected, and he did. He made me admire these people and want to listen to what they had to say, and I, and I, was, I was interested in them. He made it a big deal when I get to meet some of them, when we have them over for dinner, things like that. And it, it made me respect these guys and want to be like them. And my, my, dad, my dad made me really like, he treated preachers like celebrities. He said, and, and I, I hear all the weirdos in YouTube world right now. That's just terrible. Well, you dirty, rotten hypocrites, you make big deals about athletes you make big deals about singers and movie stars that are just wicked and miserable, that are completely contrary to the things of God. You know, at least my dad made celebrities out of people that love the Lord, that were doing great things for God. You know, I remember the first time I got to meet Patch the Pirate. That was a huge deal for me. I, I still got a picture. I, I, I got to find that picture. I got a picture of me and Patch the Pirate somewhere. I don't know when I got that picture, man. I, I couldn't wait to get that thing developed. Okay? You know, we didn't have the cell phones and instant pictures back then. I didn't, man, I, I got a, you know, I've got a picture with some Southern Gospel guys. I probably shouldn't be proud of that. We used to be into Southern Gospel back in the day. I got pictures with me in, like, the cathedrals and stuff like that. I got all their autographs. Uh, you know, maybe that was pushing it. Patch of Pirate was okay, though, all right? You know, Patch of Pirate was good. Still like him. And, you know, my kids, I got them interested in him. We went to that same place some years later that he was at. My kids got to meet him afterwards. They got their pictures taken with him. You know, uh, we went to his church one time. They got to see Patch of Pirate. You know, the guy produces great, wonderful, godly music. If I'm going to get him interested in an artist, I would rather my kids be interested in Ron Hamilton than Miley Cyrus or Justin Bieber. So all these people that want to criticize me for things like that, you know what? You're a zillion times worse with the people that you push on your kids. And, you know, I would rather my kids look up to preachers and respect preachers than some politicians. Listen, I know, I know preacher, preacher's kids today 
that are past, even past the day that literally chase around celebrities and are always going around getting their pictures taken with celebrities, getting their pictures taken with politicians. I mean, just, uh, I mean, grown men worshiping and adoring these politicians still as grown men. You know, why can't we get them interested in people who matter? People who love the Lord. That's the kind of thing because then, you know what your kids are going to want to do? Instead of dressing like the queers, instead of dressing like the, you know, the pop singers and the Michael Jacksons and people like that, they might actually want to be like the godly people that you got them interested in. Instead of you going and just making them, you know, having them watch us all this filth that the world tells you kids are supposed to be watching, you put some good things in front of their face and make a big deal about it. That's the way, that's the way it ought to be. And you will, you'll get, you'll get treated terrible. You know, and I, and I'm not saying, you know, I don't think we ought to put preachers up on this great big pedestal. You know, they are just people too. And you need to understand that. And I always knew that type of thing too. But you know, the respect that we had, the admiration we had, it was because these people were doing a great work for the Lord. And we respected that. And I think that's okay to be that way. If they're doing great. And my dad didn't just do it with preachers. I remember as a grown man, my dad bringing me and introducing me to, and Harshman, you probably know him, C.W. Fisk. You know, he was well known for just being a great soul winner. That was what he was known for. He taught soul winning out of Hiles Anderson College for, for years. He was known for being a great soul winner. And my dad, we were in a meeting, he was there, and my dad knew him and had talked with him a lot. And he was just like, hey, you need to come meet this guy. He, he wanted me to just meet him. He wanted me to shake his hand. Why? He wanted me to be interested in people like that. Even still when I was growing up. Hey, this guy's done a great work for the Lord. He's a big deal. You know, go, you know, go talk to people like that. My dad always taught me to make a big deal out of old people and talk to old people and get to know old people. And I've always done that since I was a kid. I've always, you know, our church, we have a lot of elderly people in this church. Why? I know how to talk with them. I know, I, I know how to relate with them. I dress like them. That's what my uh, kids tell me. Uh, you know, my, I, I just noticed, Brother Steve, I got the exact same shoes as you. Uh, not the ones I just got. My, my, we, went, we were at this outlet mall, and I needed to get some new shoes, and I went to Skechers' place. And Tommy's like, that's like old man shoes. I'm uh, like, well, old men know how to dress. I look like them all the time. And I went and I did, and I found this pair. They, did, they looked like old man shoes, but I was like, I like these things. <laughs> and I bought them. And my wife's made fun of me for them. But you know what? I told my boys, old people got old for a reason. Because they have some wisdom. I'm not going to go dress like these punks that are all dying early from ODs and things like that. All right? These old people are doing something right, and I want to be old someday. So I want to be like them. So I'm going to keep on dressing like an old person, and I'm fine with that. I haven't been getting any calls from any modeling agencies to any, anyway. So I might, I might as well do that. But... I'm teaching, you know, what am I doing? I'm teaching my boys. It's okay to be like an old dude. They're, they're better than young people. <laughs> they have more wisdom. They have more life experience. It's okay. It's, it's okay to do that. And so you need to find that motivator. You need to be there cheering them on, especially when they grow up. And David, he wasn't going to be able to physically be there when Solomon did this work. But you better believe Solomon never forgot those words his dad said. He always knew that his dad would have been proud of what he was doing. And so while David was not there to see the work, you know, he was there in Solomon's heart and in his memory, knowing that he was doing what his father wanted. Because, you know, children, they do have the ability to break your heart, you know, but they also have the ability to bring great joy. Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. So, that doesn't sound real good right there, but Proverbs 23, 24 says, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. So, you know, this can go either way. You know, I've got seven children. That's seven potential people that could just wreck me, that could just break my heart, that could make me miserable. But I also have seven children that could potentially bring me great joy. You know, and so you better believe I'm going to try to lead them in a way that's going to bring joy. Because, and here's the thing too, with your children, there's a reason that you know there's a reason that they the main reason they bring grief. It's not because they didn't follow the path that you wanted them to follow. It's because they are ruining their own life. 
That's why parents get grieved. Not necessarily because they didn't choose the occupation they wanted them to choose, but because they don't want to see their kids hurt. They don't want to see their kids miserable. You, you know, as children, you need to understand your joy is your parents' joy. And your misery is your parents' misery. So these directions that your parents are trying to point you in, it's because of the fact they're farther down the road and they want you to be happy. Now, there's some terrible people out there and there's exceptions and terrible parents and I'm pretty sure they want their kids miserable. All right. It's, that's what it seems anyway. But most want them to be happy. And so because they have that ability to break your heart, you better do some training. And our culture, it's often just very disconnected from their children after they grow up. And I don't think this is a good thing. You know, and most parents today of grown-ups, where they're really good at is guilt-tripping and their failures at encouraging. And that's one thing that a parent will always have the ability to do. You know, or you know, I guess a good way to say, you know, one thing that can eventually go away, you know, the, uh, when it comes to a power that a parent has, a parent can eventually lose their ability to hold their children back and discourage them. There's a lot of grown-up people out there who they've had to just kind of move on from their parents because their parents, they weren't a help. They were a hindrance. They were a discouragement. And it's like they just finally came to a point where it's like, you know what, I've got to, I've got to think about my family. I've got to think about my marriage. I've got to move on. I've got to do the right thing. And they've, done, they've successfully done that. And mom and dad's opinions run their mouth. It doesn't affect them anymore as far as it's not, it's not going to stop them. But, you know, one thing that never goes away, one power that a parent has that will never go away is their ability to encourage and push their children forward. Because even if you have, if you've gotten to that point where you've moved on, you're like, you know what, I'm not going to let mom and dad influence me anymore. They're, they're holding us back. They're stopping us from serving the Lord. There's still a part of you that wants their approval. There's still a part of you that would love, you know, their praise and that wants to make them proud. That's still a part of you. That's never going to go away. But just think about it. You know, if you know know this, if your parents would just get behind you, encourage you when you're doing the right thing, that kind of thing, that that kind of thing matters. And you realize you're you develop that now. Now, some some parent or, you know, young people, there might not be a lot of that with their parents because their parents never encourage them. Their parents never made a big deal out of anything they do. But you got to start that right now, folks. That feeling that your little girl gets when she makes you that cookie and you eat it like it's the best cookie you ever ate in your life, okay, that feeling that she gets, it's a good feeling. And you know what? They want to keep getting it. So it makes them want to keep doing things to please their father. You know, that, you know your, your son, too, you know, when he does some kind of accomplishment, when he, when he completes some task or builds something and you do and you make a big deal about it, it makes them want to go and do it again. But when they go and put a bunch of work into something, you just discourage them and you just run your mouth about it. Why am I even trying? Why, why do I even try to try to do anything? You have great power there and many of you your parents may not have given you that you may have had to get where you're at today without the backing of your parents but you know what you can say it's not gonna be like that for my kids my kids they're gonna get my backing they are gonna get my support they're gonna have my encouragement and you're gonna cheer them on you're gonna be there it's it's once they've grown up it's not your job to be guilt tripping anymore Okay, you had your chance to train them and raise them when they were growing up. After they get older, you know what? Your position, you're there is basically cheerleader mainly, but counselor when asked. When asked, okay, your husband, your son, he left. He's cleaving unto his wife. He's the head of his own household right now. He's the authority in that house, and if he wants your input, he'll ask for it. And I guarantee you there's going to be times that they're going to want it. But if all you're doing is constantly voicing your disapproval, he just, he's not going to want to hear it. He's discouraging it. But, boy, if you're constantly encouraging him, even if he's doing a bunch of stuff wrong, but you're encouraging him when he's doing things right, you know, he's going to want more of that. And there may be times when he's not real sure what to do. You know, maybe it's kind of a toss-up, but he's like, you know what, let's see what Dad says. Because they like getting that approval. And I'm just going to, I'm almost 40. You know, that kind of stuff still matters to me. 
You know, I'm almost 40, but you know, every once in a while, my dad, you know, he'll talk, hey, I listened to the sermon, you know, he'll talk about how much he liked it, and you know, I still like hearing that. It, you know, it still make, it still makes me feel good. You know, I like to think I've grown up, and you know, I'm not like a little kid anymore. But with some things, I am, because it never goes away. And so, you know, as parents, you got to you're not just there from one to eighteen. Hey, okay? man, you realize you're gonna be your kid's parent more time when they're not in your home, probably if you live long enough, than while they're in your home. And the greater trouble and sorrow that can come in their life is more likely to come after they leave your home when they're in your home. So you better make sure you prepare them the best you can and then you're doing the right things for after they get out of your home too. Because they got a long life ahead of them. They got another generation that they're going to be raising up in your name. You know, there's going to be more McMurtrys out there in the future. I want them to turn out good. You know, I want to I want to leave a good legacy. So I better make sure I use that influence even after my kids are out of the house in the good way. I don't really need to just be that guilt trip guy. I'm going to be the cheering him. And, and while David couldn't be there, I believe that was still there in Solomon's heart. And so even if something were happening to me and I were to die, if my children know, hey, this is what I want for you. This is what will make me happy and will make you happy. Then when they move on in their life, they could at least know whatever they're doing. My dad would have been proud. My dad would have been happy with what he's seen. Whatever's going on, they were, they'll always be wishing, man, I wish dad was here to see this. I would rather them think that way than, man, I'm glad my dad's not here to see this. I don't want that either. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. I, I thank you for these lessons that we have in your word. I pray that you will help us as parents, Lord, to prepare our kids. Lord, you have uh, truly blessed this church with uh, children, Lord. There's so many just precious souls around this place, and I pray that each each parent in here will realize just uh, the value of these children and how precious that they are and that they will prepare them in the best way possible to just live a happy, successful life. And we thank you, Lord, for giving them to us, but help us to remember ultimately that they are yours and that we will uh, raise them in the way that you would have us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand.